Welcome to What We Started EDM, where we talk with producers, DJs, managers, labels, bunch of creators, and really anyone with experience in the EDM industry. I'm your host, Ted, and I talk EDM. Today, we speak with Menno, a producer based in Austin with millions of plays on Spotify. When he first started out, Menno gained popularity as a remix artist on SoundCloud. Now, he has shifted his focus to original music and has an album coming out in January 2024. In this episode, we talk about the benefits of using ads to promote your music rather than paying to be on a playlist. We talk about how to get a clean mix for your songs, and we talk about the importance of investing in your music. Minnow has changed the way that I think about promoting my music, and he is a perfect example of someone that has gained success in the music industry while also maintaining a 9-to-5 job. You do not want to miss this episode. just about his journey in music he's been doing it for six plus years and that's really where i want to start just more about you how you got started in music in the first place and just if you talk a little bit about that yeah uh i started first well i guess my first music experience was in uh middle school band i played the clarinet for two years i didn't really like it it was kind of boring uh I was like really good at it in the beginning and then I didn't practice. So I started out as like first chair. Then by the end, I was like third chair. And then I was like, I'm quitting. I basically quit as soon as I was allowed to. Mm-hmm. So they put me in this class, music tech, uh, which was just like everybody that quit band. And one of the weeks we actually did music production. Yeah. And that's where I sort of like picked it up. I, I thought it was like the coolest thing. It was maybe like three weeks out of the entire year we did music production in that class. And I immediately downloaded my own program, started making beats. So yeah, I've been producing since like eighth grade. I kept with it uh, kind of ca- very casually through middle school or well, end of middle school, high school, uh, and then in college a little bit. And then I started... I shifted over to making EDM actually after college and started taking it a lot more seriously, learning about mixing and how to actually make a good song instead of just kind of messing around and, and doing it for fun. And yeah, I started the current project Minnow and I've been going for a, a little bit, was making remixes for a while, uh, sort of shifted over to, you know, making originals now and, yeah, everything's going good. I'm working on an album and yeah. Exciting stuff, man. Yeah. So what did you initially produce in, in middle school? Do you remember what it was? <laughs> so uh, the first program I ever downloaded was Super Duper Music Looper. It's not like a legit DAW. It's just like for kids, <laughs> basically. And like you can only loop like s- sounds that they have in like like set in the program. Yeah, and you're basically just drawing in loops at random places. <laughs> so I, I use that for like maybe a couple of weeks, and then I downloaded the program I still use today. It, it's called uh, Mixcraft, mm. and I've been using that for a while. Yeah, it they when I started out, Mixcraft is very uh, kind of basic, and they kind of slowly upgraded as I 
got better at producing. So I never had a reason to change, change DAWs and yeah, now it can, it can do everything and it it works pretty great. So I I like the workflow. So I haven't changed. Mm -hmm. And if you already know it, why would you change to something else if it works for you? Yeah. 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 I mean, if you can find a program that's more efficient then you know, I'm all for it, but yeah, I, I I think the workflow is pretty efficient in Mixcraft, so I've I've kept with it. And awesome. I'm using mostly external plugins anyway, so it's like you can, I don't know, it, it's just the layout of how things are. Like every dog can essentially do the same thing when you exactly. when you factor in external plugins. Yeah, yeah, man, awesome. So I, you're the first person I've heard that uses that as a doll. It's very interesting. I've like never met anybody else that uses it. <laughs> um, so you've been producing since middle school, so a long time. When did you actually start putting music out there? Uh, I mean, I think I cash like maybe even in high school, I put stuff on my SoundCloud, but like I was like too, I was too embarrassed to like even share it with people. Like I just had it on my SoundCloud and I like nobody knew about it. So I don't, I wouldn't really even count that. So I'd say probably after college is like when I started like, you know, putting it out to the world and then, you know, actually being like, Hey, I made this. Mm -hmm. And that's when you launched the artist project, Minnow as well, right? Yeah. So I didn't start Minnow. I started Minnow maybe a year and a half out of college. Mm -hmm. The first year and a half, I was just kind of under my real name. And I was just making music, um, putting it out there. And I was, I was kind of just like learning the ropes. Like I wasn't actually like good at making music yet. And then once I, once I thought I got to the point where like my music was getting pretty good, then I, then I, I changed my name to Minnow and I started kind of focusing on that. Yeah, man. When you initially launched Minnow, did you have like a set of goals or like a plan or a vision? Uh, Yeah. I mean, just make the the best music as possible and get it to as many people as I can. Um, (laughs) It it started out like when I was first making music, SoundCloud was huge. And uh, I I saw like a lot of artists blowing up on YouTube. So I, I would always just send my songs to like a bunch of blogs to, to get it like trending on like SoundCloud. And, and like, there's this website hype machine that was big back in the day. I, I would like try to get it on there. And yeah, now everything has shifted to like Spotify and Apple music and all that different landscape. Tell me more about that. Cause it, you know, more than anyone, probably that, that getting your music out there and promoting it has changed so much especially since the SoundCloud era era to now. Can you talk more about how it's changed and like how you've, what you've done to try and still promote your music, even though everything is so different? Right. So I think it's, you know, the landscape is very saturated. There's, it's like the barrier to entry to make music now is so low anybody can can download uh, a DAW on their laptop mm-hmm. and essentially make professional sounding music for almost no cost mm-hmm. so there's you know so many new artists there's, and so many really talented artists it, it's like very competitive so yeah i mean it, it's it's tough to you know compete in that environment i think you know it used to be 
when SoundCloud was like the primary thing and with YouTube, it was, I think it was a lot easier to promote your music without a budget. Meaning like I, I could, you know, get a decent amount of plays on like remixes I made essentially for free, just like reaching out to as many people as I can and being like, Hey, check out my song, blah, blah, blah. And I think now, you know, there's so like, there's so many people out there doing it that it's kind of just like people, like people's, you know, DMS get full and they just stop checking it. And I, I found that to be like less and less effective as I went on. And I eventually just stopped like cold reaching out to uh, like random, like YouTube channels and all that. Um, and now, you know, I shifted over to Spotify. Now I have like an ad budget and I kind of do it more uh, official and, and kind of like run it like a, a, a business. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, run my ads in a way where, you know, I'll get paid, paid back whatever I spend on the ads and streaming revenue and kind of just, you know, cycle all that money back into promotion. And yeah, but I mean, it comes down to the music, like, you know, the, the marketing landscape changes, but if you have good music, you know, you'll figure it out and it'll, it, it you can get your music to people. Awesome, man. Can you talk more about what you were just talking about now, how you use ads on for your music on Spotify? How does that work? And how do you make money back from doing that? Right. Um, so I didn't know anything about this two years ago. This is kind of just something I started recently. Before, I, w- I would just uh, use playlists on Spotify. Like there's a bunch of Spotify playlists that are independent and I would send my music to them and they would support it. Um, and then it kind of shifted to everybody was asking for money to get on their playlist. And I, I didn't really like that. And it felt uh, like less authentic and... So I, I shifted over to ads and I, I found this guy on YouTube, Andrew Southworth. Like if you, if you Google like promoting your music with ads, like he's like the first person that comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of dug into that. That took like probably a full year to like figure out completely and get the hang of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm just essentially running ads on Facebook and Instagram and I'm sending traffic to Spotify. Uh, or, or Apple music too. Uh, and yeah, people, people are sent there, you know, they'll, they'll save the song because most of the people being sent there already like it because they click the ad and then you, you can, if you get enough streams through the ads, then you can get on algorithmic, uh, algorithmic playlists like discover weekly and, uh, radio and, and things like that on Spotify and w- once you get algorithmic traffic, it kind of just is smooth sailing. It's just repeated plays over and over. And then I, I guess like th- that's like in theory where you can, you know, make your money back is when you get algorithmic traction. Cause I mean, the ads themselves, you're, you're losing money on, you're not sending nearly enough people to, to stream the music. So it, it's kind of like, you, you gotta give it a little push, get the song trending. And then, uh, then it starts to make sense. So really the investment in the ad is really just to get it started to a point mm-hmm. where the algorithm picks it up. And that's mm-hmm. really what is going to benefit your song. Is the yes. yes. That's so interesting. I never, I'm, I just never thought about that. That's so interesting. 
And at this point, do you still sing your songs to playlists or just is it not worth it anymore now that they're all charging? Uh, I'll do it a little bit. Um, I found that it, it can it can almost hurt your chances of getting on algorithmic playlists because Sp- Spotify is very big into metrics and they they want to see a high percentage of listeners saving your song. So when you use ads, it's like it's extremely high. It's like maybe 50 percent of the people listening are going to save it because they all like they all were filtered with your ad. Like they, they heard the song from the ad. So, you know, they like it and they're sent to the page. So they're they're probably going to save it. But with with playlists, it's very passive. And so, some people are just, you know, at the gym working out or I don't know, going for a walk and they're, they're not really even paying attention. So it, it's less of a, an engaged uh, like form of listening. So, so you get really low save rates and it, that, that can hurt your chances mm-hmm. of getting on the algorithm. So the save rate is super important to yeah. stop on picking it up. Yeah. Wow. I'm learning so much, man. Yeah. It's, it's like save rate. And then you got to, there's like a minimum threshold of streams you, you need to get to for them to even like consider it because if there's so much music out there, if they made the threshold nothing, then it would be impossible for them to like decide like who, I, I guess, which songs to push. So you need to get like, I don't know, maybe like 8,000 streams over the course of like a month mm-hmm. to, to get on the algorithmic playlist. And that's for Spotify. Mm-hmm. You, I'm assuming, mainly focus on Spotify. Do you post your music anywhere else? Do you still use SoundCloud? Yeah. Um, I post my music on uh, SoundCloud, YouTube. Uh, I, I just use a distributor. I use DistroKid. Yeah. So so they'll they'll put it on, I don't know, maybe there's like 20-something different platforms. Mm-hmm. Most of them I haven't even heard of, but it, you get on all the big ones. So that's what's important. And then... Yeah. Nice, man. Awesome. And you do have one song that recently hit over a million streams, right? Yeah. Well, I actually, I, I just had my second song hit a million streams. So. You have two songs that have over a million? Yeah. Uh, tell me more about that. How does that feel? And what did it take to get there? And, and yeah, just tell me. Yeah. I mean, it feels good. It, you know, it's a sign of progress. Like it's in, it's in no way like a oh like I made it like yeah, I, I don't know like in the scheme of things a million streams like there's artists out there that have like a billion streams you know yeah. it's but it, it's it's definitely like it's a nice milestone like I'm proud of it and it's kind of it just motivates me to you know c- c- kind of keep going and you know hopefully eventually push it to the to the point where I can make a career off of music and you know that's my main source of income and. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate goal. But. Yes, of course. Yes, that's the dream. Awesome, man. And speaking of that, what do you have a specific plan or any specific goals for the mental project? Or are you just going to keep making music and putting it out there? Or where do you want to see yourself in like five years, for example, with this project? Right. Um, you know, I, I think continue to see like growth online. I, I'd like to start playing live. Um, I haven't really put much effort into learning to DJ. I, I've always been, you know, more of a music producer. I know some people start out DJing and then they make songs later. You know, I'm the complete opposite. I've been putting off DJing 
like as long as possible. Uh, but yeah, I think it'd be, it'd be nice to start playing live, maybe opening for some acts, you know, that like, I, I like whenever they're like in town or maybe when they come to Austin, that'd be cool. Cause then, you know, I'd also get to meet all the artists that I look up to. Uh, and, you know, put out my album, hopefully my album, you know, resonates with people and is, yeah. uh you know m- memorable and they don't forget about it in like a month or something after i release it you know th- I-, I think that's the goal then you just continue to put out good music uh you know work on album two and i think another part this is kind of separate from i, I guess m- my project minnow is i'd like to eventually start producing for other people a little mm-hmm. bit um maybe like not I don't want to do it to where it's like a job where like I'm just producing every random person that like messages me, but more, more like kind of like a few like passion projects on the side of like different genres. Uh, like I, I'm very big into like indie and like indie pop and stuff like that. And maybe do some, some different things like that and kind of just experiment there. Awesome, man. That's a whole side of music that I personally never really even consider is like the back end. There's so many people that need songs created and yeah. there's a producer for that, but they don't really maybe even get the credit or you don't, don't really even they see their face. Do you know anything more about that area? Or have you like looked into it any farther? Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's, it's kind of a whole different world. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm still kind of figuring out how to enter it. Uh, I, I think it a lot of it is just like you know networking like you gotta like you know people and then people you know find out that you're trying to produce for other people then maybe someone will connect you with the singer and you get together and see if it works out uh i mean yeah i guess i'm still figuring it out um but it's uh yeah it's a whole different world like you're not you're not credited really on the, I mean, you are, you are in the credits. Like if you look it up online, like you'll be listed in the credits, but you're not like on the song. So it's, it's very much in the background, yeah. uh, which I don't mind. So it, I think it'd be cool to, to do, do that. Cause it'd be exposure to, you know, making different types of music and working with different artists. And, you know, it's also cool to be a part of other people's, you know, journey as well. Mm-hmm. awesome man um, something i want to talk about with you is you've been producing for so long like for example just your minimum that project has been six plus years in the making and i'm sure over time you've seen a lot of growth a lot of progress things that make you excited but i'm assuming there's also been some times where maybe things are not going the way that you want them to or maybe you are just a little disappointed with me how things are going how do you continuously find motivation and inspiration to keep going and keep building and keep growing because really it's just a constant grind. Right. I mean, I think it just comes down to how much you want it. Uh, like, I, I, I guess at, at the core of like, why do I keep going despite all the the highs and lows? Like I love making music. I, even if I wasn't, uh, you know, trying to, grow my artist brand and all that like if i was just making it you know just for myself and not even putting it out in public i would still i would still be doing that so i mean that's part of it and then 
yeah, it, it's just, you know, it, it, it's something I enjoy and I'm passionate about and I'll, I'll always keep doing, uh, you know, and, and you, you kind of got to just put the low moments aside mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, understand that, you know, it's just, it's temporary. And if you keep going, eventually you'll bounce back. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like one, one moment that comes to mind is this was like probably five years ago. So this was when, like, do you know Trap Nation? Yeah, of course. Yeah. The YouTube channel. Yeah. So this is like when I was, I was first starting out, I sent them a remix I did and they were supposed to post it. So like yeah. I, I went from this like euphoric high and then it gets the date that he was supposed to post it on and they post a different song and I messaged back and then they started ghosting me and I was just like, oh man, that sucks. Wow. So like I, that, that was like, I, I thought like my, my life was going to change, you know, like, cause I was like, oh, I'm going to be on Trap Nation, but you know, I, but you know, you keep going and you know, I found success in other ways. So mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Like the mixture of like being up here and then down here, that must have been a roller coaster of emotion. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but you keep pushing through and this is where you are today and you keep going. Like anything is yep. awesome. I want to know a little bit more about your workflow. When you go into making a song, like how do you get started? Do you use like a reference or some kind of inspiration? Or just walking through what your typical processes for creating music right yeah so usually at first i'll have some inspiration um i think you know generally i'll maybe i'll just be listening to music and i'll be like oh i kind of want to make something like this Mm -hmm. or you know i'll i'll hear certain elements from a song and i'll be like oh that's cool maybe i should do do something like that and it always comes out totally different when you try to copy a song like you're only like you're borrowing like one little piece of it and then building an entire new thing around it uh and then yeah in terms of workflow i i always start out with uh chord progression like that's mm-hmm. I, i'd say 90 percent of the time that's like the first thing i do is i, I get my chord progression down uh and that's kind of like the backbone of the song in mm-hmm. in, in a way and I, I build off of that and I just start building instrumentations, drums. I kind of do uh, sort of after I pick out a lot of the main instruments and I kind of just slowly build the different sections of the song. And uh, eventually you have a completed track, um, you know, the, in terms of like timing, like there's, there's some days where, you know, I'll, I'll knock out effectively like an, in a completed song in, like four or five hours and it's like done in a day. Yeah. Uh, like my, my song glory, which that was the first song that reached a million streams that I made in probably two days, basically like it, it, it just happened super quick. Like I, I, I had like almost a full idea the first day. And then I did some fine tuning the next couple of days. And then I think by the end of the week I, I had put it out. That and, is and then, yeah, it, so sometimes your best stuff comes fast. Yeah. And then there's some songs that uh, I've, I've waited on, have just sat for like years. And then I come back to it later. And, I, and then all of a sudden an idea clicks and I, I can build off of it. And then I have a completed song. So there's, you know, the work, the work, 
process the the timing varies and the process changes with each song but yeah yeah not every song you make is going to be come to you super quickly and then also be a song that you even want to put out yeah yeah what percent of music that you make ends up being something that you actually want to relate right release to the world that's how bad sometimes I think the so the percentage is increased over time. It, yeah, I think as like as you get better at producing, I kind of well, one I'm making like better music, and I'm become more consistent with what I'm making, and I also get sort of get a feel for what's going to work and what's not kind of right away. So mm-hmm. uh, usually, you know, if I'm working on an idea. I can tell, you know, pretty early on if it's going to amount to anything, you know, abandon it if it's, you know, not the right type of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, it, in, in the beginning, you know, when I started, it, it could have been uh, like less than 10% of that, the songs I made, made would be, would go public. Yeah. Uh, now, now it's probably a little higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe now it's like 20% or something, uh, but it, it could, it, it depends, you know, it, it could be less than that too. So. Yeah. But really you still have to make a lot of songs before you get one that you're happy enough with to yeah. keep it out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Yeah. Awesome, man. I wanted to talk about what kind of plugins or, any you said you use a lot of external plugins. What what are you using and what do you use most? Right. Um, I think the right now I've been using Omnisphere a lot. So yeah. I, I guess like for you or, or anybody listening that, that doesn't know Omnisphere, it's this huge library of samples and it has I, I think maybe ten thousand different presets for uh, instruments and it, it has a lot of like weird random stuff and, and you can also buy add-ons to that so I, i've been doing i've been buying a bunch of add-ons and building on in addition to that like ten thousand. and uh, i use that for pads a, a lot um for synths i use uh i use silent uh for probably less than i did in the past i used to use nexus a lot I don't really use it anymore. Spire I'll use on occasion. Uh, Serum is probably the the synth that's my go-to. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like pretty popular now. Um, Yeah. So I I guess that, and then as far as samples, I get a lot of them off of like for drums, I get a lot of it off of splice. Yeah. I've had a like, subscription with them for a few years and my credits keep building up and I, I never, <laughs> I never even come close to using like, it's impossible. How many? I- and, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah. Uh, then for like compression and EQ and stuff, I recently I've been using fab filter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty good plugin. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that's like the core of what I use. I, I mean, you know, I have a list of like 
probably over a hundred like plugins on my computer, wow. but I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't use them all, but yeah. Yeah. I think it's most important. What do you use the most often? That's yeah. what most important you're about. Awesome, man. So you had two songs recently hit over mainstreams. Are there any other times in the past where you felt like this is like a big break that you're experiencing? Uh, yeah, I think um, when I was making remixes and like really diving into that like five, six years ago, I, I had a couple like big breaks on uh, like some YouTube channels uh, where like my remixes got like over a hundred thousand streams or whatever on YouTube. And it, at the time that was like a huge uh, like milestone for me. And yeah. So, I mean, I, I'd say that that was like the, the first like big break where it felt like, you know, my music had you know, some, momentum and then yeah i guess recently on, on spotify uh that's where all my momentum has come from yeah man feels good right it does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although you don't want to get complacent you know you, no definitely <laughs> there's always room to grow yeah awesome i wanted to talk about your production in general you have a lot of music that sounds like very clean and and loud too which i think for beginner producers two of the hardest things is how to get a mix that is is clean like not muddy and how to get a mix that's that sounds loud that you, you know what i mean you yeah about that. okay um so i think to get to get your song to sound la- loud i'm i'm a big proponent of the idea that um volume levels are effectively 90 percent of mixing like just having all your all all the instruments balanced mm-hmm. in your mix uh well, well that that in addition to uh you know picking sounds that don't clash clash with each other i think that that's huge for having it loud um like y- y- you want each instrument to fill out its own uh kind of position in the frequency spectrum and you can't think of the frequency spectrum it's almost like a a 2d axis like you have the the frequency spectrum on the let's say the y-axis and then on the x-axis you have you have panning you, you have left and right so like if two instruments take up the same exact frequency range like i don't know maybe you have a pad and a guitar and they're kind of clashing with each other. It just sounds like weird. You can just pan one right, pan one left. And all of a sudden it just completely opens everything up and they have their own space in the mix. And then, you know, you, you got like kick and bass on the low end and you get all your hats and stuff on the high end. So it's it just, you know, picking sounds that don't clash with each other uh, or, or if they do clash in a way that where they complement each other and it, it sounds good um I, yeah I, I think that's the big thing and then I, I guess specifically if you're looking to make loud music which in edm that's a big thing in other genres it's not necessarily um it's it just a lot of compression like the more you compress it the louder it's going to sound uh and yeah so yeah i guess just to 
rehash that. So having a balance uh, of, of volume levels of the instruments, having all the instruments have their own space in the mix in terms of frequency spectrum and panning, and then, you know, compression and yeah, you should have a loud mix. <laughs> so man, yeah, that's a good place to start. Perfect. You talked a little bit about the need to network in the music industry. Have you done anything like that yet? Have you like reached out to people and started a network or can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I, I've been, uh, so I, I've always like found people online. Mm-hmm. There's been like singers in particular. There's websites like Vocalizer and Sound Better. I've found singers on and connected that way. And then I've also found random singers on, you know, like Instagram or SoundCloud and I'll reach out to them. So I guess I've done a lot of like online networking like that and, you know, run into people that way. Um, in person, I'm kind of just getting into before I was living in Connecticut mm-hmm. so that, I mean, it didn't really have a huge, uh, you know, scene to network yeah. uh, w- with people, you know, unless I wanted to like take a train two and a half hours to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Austin has a lot more opportunities there. So I'm just starting to kind of, you know, network with some local people and figure all that out. But yeah, it, it network is definitely it's important because I mean, like even just uh, connections of people I've met online, like there's plenty of singers I've, I've made uh, a song with some have made multiple songs and I've never met them in person. I've never even had a conversation like we're having here, like over the internet, like it's literally just like DMS back and forth with ideas, which is kind of weird. Like, but I, that's how a lot of music is made these days. Uh, but it works obviously yeah and uh, you know slowly as you build up you know the 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 people you know like a a lot of times like now if i have a new song just from singers i've worked with in the past i'll I'll just like immediately know who to hit up like i'm like oh this 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 person would be perfect and i'll just see if they like it and like usually my intuition with that is like is pretty good like if i if i write a song and i was and you know I, i really think it would fit somebody usually they'll respond positively to it but yeah it's uh yeah it, networking you know it's it's time intensive and it doesn't happen overnight it's you just got to slowly you know meet more and more people definitely and eventually you get to a point where you have this network and you know who to reach out to yeah who can help you and yeah it just takes time and a lot of work Awesome, man. You do not focus full-time on music, right? You have a, a job, I believe? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I work a nine-to-five job. I'm a mechanical engineer during the day. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I do music outside of that, so. That, I think, is most people's scenario, where obviously they need to still make money. They have a job. Um, but they also want to put as much time as they can into their passion music. Can you talk a little bit more about that? If for me personally, when I had a job, it was really hard for me to commit time every day after coming home tired from work uh, and then just really get some time into the studio and feel good about it. What, what do you do personally? What do you, what do you find helps? 
Yeah, it, I mean, it it's tough. Uh, you got to, you know, especially like when I was first doing it, I was commuting like an hour to work. And, you know, I, I'd like wake up at like 6.30 a.m. and then, you know, get back at, at 6 p.m. Yeah. And I, I was commuting an hour and, yeah, like I was exhausted. And it's like, I don't want to make music. So like in the beginning, I was like, I don't, I was like extra hungry because it was like right out of college, and I, I don't, I don't know. So like, like I, I found the time to kind of like still do music every day, like despite that, it just like became my life was literally only like work and music, mm-hmm. uh, like for a while, and then yeah, I don't, you get better at time management. Um, right now I work remote remotely, so mm-hmm. that that helps because I don't have a commute and yeah. It, it's uh you know i i think a, a lot of people want want to just like abandon their their, their job and go for it and yeah I, I totally understand that and i i actually i held that view for a while i think in like the modern landscape like it, so for a, for a song to be successful you need it needs to be you know a really good song and it also needs marketing behind it. You, you need both. And for the marketing side to happen, you either need a label to buy into it, which doesn't always happen, or you need to, you know, promote it yourself, which, which costs money. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, having a nine to five job and just dumping like extra money into the music and just seeing what happens. Cause I, I think that, that in itself can be a catalyst and yeah Uh, but i mean yeah sometimes you get burnt out like you know uh last year actually i like quit my job uh Mm -hmm. without anything planned and i just took like five months off and you know just and i I, you know because i needed to relax and you know i made a good amount of music during that time and I, i think for a while I was burnt out and I I could just see like everything kind of declining a little bit with my music, like my motivation and everything. And then that taking that time off rejuvenated me. And, you know, now, now I got an album coming out and uh, it, it, sometimes time off can be, uh, you know, the the best solution to a problem, especially if you're burnt out. Definitely, man. Definitely. And, And similar to that, I feel like a lot of people will feel the need to spend all their time doing something productive. For example, if you're a music producer, you want to spend as much time as you can in the studio. But then other people will find that that's not the most efficient way of going about it. Like you need breaks, you need to avoid burnout. Do you find that too? Do you like take time off on the weekends or anything? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not somebody who like produces music every day. Like I, Mm-hmm. sometimes i'll i'll produce one day a week or sometimes it's one day a month and then you know sometimes it's every day for two weeks it's just very random and to me I, i've i've sort of learned like when like to know myself and and when the creative juices are flowing and i don't try to i don't try to force it when it's not there so mm-hmm. i, I kind of just pick and choose my times uh, when I feel I could be, you know, the most productive and make the best music. And I, you know, I try to make the most out of that time. 
Awesome, man. So you're not like, I need to be in the studio every day. You're like, no. when it feels good, let me get it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think th- it's going to be different for every, every person. Uh, starting out, I think when like you're, you're learning all the little details that it's probably important to be doing it every day. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, once you get a flow of things, you know, it, like it's probably better if you make music every day. Uh, but it's not, it's not totally necessary. Uh, like you could still, you can still continue to learn a lot of and progress, you know, without, you know, spending like three or four hours a day or, or whatever. Yeah. Definitely, man. One thing a lot of, at least I've heard a lot of producers talk about is the need to consistently get music out. And I, I do believe that is important, but at the same time, it can be hard to consistently produce music that you are feel good about and want yeah. to put on. Like for example, you have this album, but you are putting a lot of time and effort into it and you're putting off on releasing it until January of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Because it seems like you're following the approach of quality over quantity rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, so, well, I guess a little context before like this album, like I, I had a, a, you know, a few years where like things kind of stagnated and, you know, I was only putting out, you know, like maybe three or four songs a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I definitely noticed that my growth like flattened during that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this year I changed that. I, I put out old well, after my song comes out Friday, I'll have, um, you know, five songs out this year and then the album, which is going to be 10 songs. Uh, five of them are singles that were already released. Mm-hmm. That'll be out. And, um, yeah. So what was your original question? I lost my okay. track. I just want to talk to you more about the idea of doing quality over right, right, right. music rather than just getting music out there for the sake of getting music out there. Yeah. So like, like with the album, for example, I, I originally wanted to put this out in uh, like this summer. Mm. I, I thought, I thought I was going to have everything done. Mm. And then, you know, it was my first album. I overestimated the speed at which I could complete it. Yeah. And, you know, things get pushed back. And then I eventually just decided, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's effectively done at this point it's just it's some like all some small changes to the mastering right now and that but it, it'll be done in like a week or two and then i, I just picked january just because it, it can be it can be weird just to release it kind of like close to the holidays and that and so I, I just i said okay january will give me ample time and i just picked that and but yeah it, it just it came down to my album is done when it's done and I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle with, with something that, you know, I'm unsure of. And it it was just sort of getting it to a hundred percent and doing all the the small little details to get it there. Yeah, man. And like you said too, the two biggest parts of the formula for a song doing well is the song being good and the marketing. You gotta yep. make sure it's good before you put it out. Yeah. Exactly. 
And yeah, I mean, another thing. So I guess before you were asking me about mixing. Yeah. So this this album is going to be actually the first uh, album where, or or even songs really, where I'm not the mixing engineer. I, I hired somebody for it, uh, and you know, I, like my, I can mix fine, but my philosophy was there's you know there's people with 20 years experience that can do it better than me, and I, I I was thinking of all the money I was investing in in marketing, and I was like, well, shouldn't I invest some money in like the actual, you know, song itself and make make sure that's as high quality as I can? And yeah, so I, I've been working with the mixing engineer, and I think because of that, my songs are sounding like extra clean and and tight. And I, I know sometimes it's frowned upon in EDM, like people people want you to do everything yourself, but I mean. The music industry is built off of collaborations. You know, a lot of the songs you hear on the radio, you know, you could have 10 or 12 people all working on one song. So, you know, if I hire a mixing engineer to, to get the song, that extra, you know, 3% to, to get it to 100% to where, like, I'm totally satisfied, then I'll do it. Yeah, man. And I think some advice for like people starting out, I would not recommend getting a mixing engineer when like you're not already pretty good at mixing yourself. Cause I think it's like, it, it's a, it's a valuable skill to learn. And it also, in terms of arranging your song and, you know, making good songs, I think like mixing is, is a part of, songwriting and like you you should like everybody every artist should kind of master that as much as they can and again you said for mixing the biggest thing that the most important thing about mixing is really just the volume of each individual sound right and just really using your ear to figure out where that belongs in the mix yeah, so I will, will. So where I got that was from. There's this like Steve Duda quote where he he says that he he was talking about his students. He says I can make a better mix than my uh, than most of my students by only using volume automation and yeah. just adjusting the levels of each instrument and using no no other plugins like no compression, no EQ. He's like I can make a better mix by just doing that, and because you know he's like a professional, like best of the best. Yes. And like, it just stresses the, the important of balance in a mix. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so that's kind of like where I was drawing that from. You still obviously have to uh, learn, learn all the little tweaks and, uh, and know, know how to use compression correctly. Know, mm-hmm. know how to use EQ correctly and uh, special effects and distortion and all that. Um, but yeah, uh, the basics are affects effectively just having, uh, balance and arrangement. I think, I think that's like the core of a mix. Mm -hmm. Awesome, man. For the mixing engineer that you hired, how did you go about finding them and and working with them? Uh, I found, uh, it's this guy, his name's Brent. He, he's on, um, I found him on the website soundbetter.com. He, I think he, he's won a few Grammys. 
he, he he seems to have like a pretty successful career. Uh, it was not uh, cheap, but you know, I, I think it's it's worth the investment. So uh, yeah, I, I went with it. Yeah, man. And you can tell too when it sounds just a little bit better. You know, yeah, for sure. Better, more crisp, yeah, yeah. And it builds your credibility too. I think as a producer, if you're yeah, definitely. Awesome, man. I want to talk a little bit about you mentioned before that you sent your music to YouTube channels and labels to try and get it on there. Do you still do that or do you mainly release music yourself? Um, you know, the past two years I haven't, um, I kind of shifted just to solely self-releasing. I did, I did release with a label, two years ago, I kind of just found that most small to mid-sized labels don't really add that much value. Um, Like they, they weren't doing anything that I couldn't do myself. I realized. Uh, So I'd rather just keep a hundred percent of the ownership and Mm -hmm. spend my own money and try to make it back. Uh, and kind of like take the, assume the risk myself to, to keep the ownership. So that's kind of the direction I've gone. Like if I, if I ever got approached by like a major label, then I like, I would definitely have to consider it. Cause that'd be, you know, a, a potentially huge, but I, I kind of steered away from like the focus on, oh, I need to use a label and I've just been trying to do it myself. Mm-hmm. When you do work with the label, though, how does that work? You give away part of the ownership of this? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So so they'll, depending on the label, so like a major label, from my understanding, they'll take, you know, potentially like 80% of the, like they they basically own the whole song. Yeah. Uh, And they'll, and they'll take 80% of the royalties, Mm. (laughs) which I mean, like to some extent, like, yes, the label needs to take, royalties because they're the ones investing money into marketing and they need to get that back and potentially make a profit. But, you know, a a lot of the contracts are are like kind of set up in a way to screw over artists. Uh, Smaller labels, I've noticed it's different. It's a lot more fair. They'll a lot like the labels that I've signed with, I think I've only released two songs with a label. um, And both of those were 50, 50 contracts. So the label owned 50%, I owned 50%. I got 50% of the royalties and they got 50% of the royalties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, it, which isn't a bad idea. Like you're you're basically trading your like a portion of the, your ownership in the song for exposure. And then they, they, they have their own marketing budget. They're putting money behind it and you don't have to spend anything. So yeah, it, it's just a different way of going about it. Uh, now I, I prefer to own all my songs as much as I can. And yeah, so that, that's the direction I've gone. Awesome, man. You also do not use a manager, right? You do everything yourself? Yep. I've been doing everything myself. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm open to working with a, a manager. Uh, I don't really see like too much of a... a so like, I, I guess to, to have a manager, you need something that needs to be managed. And, you know, right now I'm not like touring or anything. I'm not selling merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like w- eventually when I start doing all that, 
like a manager would probably make sense because there'd be a lot to to manage. Um, but yeah, right now it, it's just you know marketing, which I've kind of gotten efficient at, and it doesn't take up too much time. And making music, so I don't really see a need at this point in my career. But I think, yeah, maybe later on. Awesome, man. If you could give yourself a few pieces of advice when you're first starting out with the mental project or just music production in general, do you have anything that you would, would talk to them, tell them about? Yeah. Um, well, I think the first thing I would say would be the mixing advice that I gave earlier about uh, um, sort of the core basics of, you know, arrangement and, volume levels and just focusing more on that. I think I felt early on in the trap of trying to, I, I was over mixing. Like I, I was using compression for no reason and just adding all this stuff that I don't even think did anything half the time. I was just like, Oh, I need to, I, I saw this on YouTube and a tutorial. So I'm going to do it here. And it's like, it, yeah. In mixing, like, before you do anything, you need to ask, why am I doing this? Like, 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 what do I want this sound to sound like when it's complete? And is this uh, plugin that I'm using here, whether it's compression EQ, is this helping me achieve that sound that is in my head? If it's not, then don't use it. I, I think a lot of people overthink stuff and they, they try to just use things for the sake of of using a plugin or, or doing something. And, you know, sometimes you don't, sometimes the sound is just perfect. Like sometimes you just have a pad, it sounds perfect and you don't need to do anything to it. You can just, you can just leave that track empty and you don't need to put a compressor on it. You don't need to put EQ. It's it's just fine. So it, you know, sometimes uh, less is more and you don't need to, you don't need to uh, fix it if it isn't broke. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, have purpose behind what you're doing. And also, if you're going to be using a plugin or even compression, know what it's doing, know why you're using it. Yeah. Awesome, man. I wanted to ask, is there anything else that I should have asked you in this interview that we should have talked about? Um, Not that I can think of. I mean, I think you covered a lot. I think we got pretty in-depth with, uh, you know, the whole process of, you know, making music and what it, it it takes being being an artist uh yeah I, I can't think of anything this has been super insightful for me and i'm for sure a lot of the listeners and i wanted to give you some time now I, we already mentioned your album but just promote anything that you want to promote right now uh yeah i mean it, it's really just you know my album so we'll so I guess I, I have a single coming out Friday. I don't know if this podcast will be out in time for that, but uh, I have a single coming out Friday. It's called In the Night. Um, it's with this artist uh, called Jenny. He's from Africa and he's super talented. And it's actually sort of like a, it's a vocal version of a song I already released. Uh, the original song is is Nighttime and it, that was doing pretty well on its own on Spotify. And now this is the vocal version of it. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. And then um, I got my album coming out in January. It's 10 songs. It's, I think, my best 
work yet. It, I think it has a, uh, it hopefully tells, uh, it's it hopefully sounds cohesive and, you know, tells a story and, uh, hopefully, yeah, people enjoy it. Um, I'm, I'm excited to put it out. Awesome, man. Well, it was really great talking to you, Chris. Thanks for taking the time. This yeah, thank you. Have been super insightful. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Just search what we started EDM. I'm your host, Ted, and I talk EDM.